Today on Never Was a Gamer, mid-30s skateboarder, I hope I don't get hurt. Welcome to Never Was a Gamer, the show where a late-blooming gamer makes up for lost time playing everyone else's formative games. I'm Michelle, and with me as always, here he am doing everything he can, holding on to what he am, pretending he's a Superman, Dimitri. Hey, (laughs) this is where I should probably drop some skater slang, but I don't know any. Yeah, I mean, do you not have the spirit of Ska alive within you at this point after spending so much time in this game? I haven't played this game for a few days now. Right. And the Spirit of Ska, it's there strong in the moment and it dissipates almost immediately. <laughs> it's one of the beautiful... Ska is, has a very powerful musical aura for me. It is, it is instant happy juice. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever been sad while listening to Ska. It was your... I mean, if we go back to when you were playing Donkey Konga, yeah. <laughs> you loved to play the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones song. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. And so I guess this is a great introduction to our new arc, Games with Ska. <laughs> I wish. I honestly wish. <laughs> we played two. Can we put these together? <laughs> no. Our our new arc that we're starting today, it's called We Hate Sports. We do. So this is, you know, there's lots of big, famous, uh, huge franchise games, your NBAs, your FIFAs, your NHLs, your... NFL? Yeah. Is that the football one? Okay. Madden. Yeah, you Madden. Of? Like we're not we're not doing those. I don't want to do that. We don't want to. But we figured, you know, th- this is a whole world of type of game and there's some good stuff in there. So, we're doing this art called We Hate Sports, which is about us picking some arguably sports games that are maybe not your your Madden's to go back and play. Yeah, skateboarding's a sport. Sure. So this is a sports game. And so we are sports games players playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater from 1999. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> so this we actually had a big back and forth about this, but we're, we're actually playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2, the recent remaster uh, that came out for all the systems you played on the PS4. You know, on the show, we've been, we've been pretty fast and loose with remasters. Uh, basically, our goal is how can you have the best possible experience with the game while still staying as true as possible to the original. And I think with, you know, with this remaster, I think we can accomplish that. And and you played, you know, T- Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 in the remaster version. Yeah. And we'll get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of this when we talk about the gameplay. But I thought you should play, you know, Tony Hawk 1. Right. But the original Tony Hawk, you know, on the PlayStation didn't have manuals or reverts yet. Crucial. Uh, manuals especially are, are crucial and only appeared in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Those tricks are kind of so central to the series and what it has become and how you play it that I think it really makes sense to play this version that reincorporates those tricks into the first game, but then also does some things to rebalance the game. Um, Otherwise, I mean, you could clear those score hurdles in no time because these new tricks just make it so much easier to to combo. Yeah, to chain together different different. Yeah, tricks off too. So that's so that's what we're that's what we're doing. It's kind of a roundabout uh, way, but there is there is some rationale behind it. And, and so you know, if we're talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One, but talking about using manuals, that's where that's coming from. So don't email us. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the game itself, uh, I mean, you you were a child of the '90s. I was. And so, did you do you have a, a history with this game and? Uh, and I guess more specifically with skate culture in general, which, you know, I think was pretty prevalent then. Yeah, it was a major pop culture influence. Um, it was like what all the basic dudes were were into. Yeah, so we definitely had this game in my house. I don't think I ever really played around with it. I remember seeing it, but I don't, I don't I, and even once I picked it up and got into it, I would sometimes recognize bits of levels, but not because I played them. Just like, oh yeah, this was on in the background. In terms of skate culture, my teens were very much orbiting around but not part of skate culture. So I grew up in the suburbs in sort of the peak of this period where I think skate culture had its maximum influence on like normies, like just suburban kids. You know what I mean? I like all of my guy friends were like that mild 
skater. Like, sure, I'm a skater when like all that meant was like wearing a certain style of shorts and like Vans shoes. You know what I mean? Like, not that they all I had a couple friends who skateboarded, but I had way more who like would call them skaters in style. And more equally relevant for for this, um, I I very, very much in high school was around the suburban ska and punk scene. Hmm. Um, I went to a lot of indie ska shows, some of which um, one of my good friends at the time uh, was a drummer for a bunch of ska bands, including cheap um, the Cheap Suits. Eventually, they ended up going on tour with Kiss. Um, so I I spent a lot of time skanking in high school and not in the way that cooler, more attractive people did. <laughs> so there's like, I can't tell you the the like force of of um nostalgia and joy that i feel being sucked back in time through this this soundtrack and this like broader aesthetic generally hmm. yeah i don't know if i've ever stood on a skateboard yeah i haven't either and i've never really been I, tempted i think i've stood on one i don't think i like kicked off to roll can i tell you something about yourself you're you're Good at so many things. I wouldn't say your balance is like a 10 out of 10. No, and I have a strong self-preservation instinct. Yes, you do. <laughs> Mid-30s skateboarder. I hope I don't get hurt. You will. Uh, yeah. And so I, I I, guess I wasn't tied as closely to like any kind of music scene, but I did have a few friends who were very much into skateboarding, a lot more who were into the style. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I did have a few who at least, at the very least, like wiped out a few times trying to do a kickflip. Right. Which I think... I think that counts. Once you see Road Rash once, you're like, oh, I'm never doing this. Like, I definitely had some friends who put a lot of effort into trying to get good at skateboarding. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were very successful. Sure. But that's more than you can say for a lot of people. I mean, I I, I appreciate their gumption and their bruises that they had to show for it. <laughs> yeah, most of my friends just like wore long sleeve shirts under T-shirts and called that a stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this game did come out. Not at the height, but really as, you know, skateboarding and skater culture was entering the mainstream more and more, um, largely because of the game's namesake, Mr. Mr. Tony Hawk himself. Mr. Anthony Hawk. Yeah, you know, you had the kind of increased popularity, the X Games, which incidentally, X Games are on as we record. Uh, yesterday, Mr. Tony Hawk came in second to a 12-year-old kid because this kid pulled off a 1080 on a skateboard. Uh, Which many people had thought was physically impossible. Yeah, and, and I think what really ties it nicely to this game is that this game came out shortly after Tony Hawk pulled off the first 900. Oh, fun. Yeah, and so there is, uh, so it's kind of really timely that we're talking about this uh, when we are. It also was so nice seeing the clip of this kid winning and Tony Hawk just like runs over and gives him the, this, the biggest hug. He's just like so stoked for this kid. It's also nuts that a guy in his 50s can come in second. Right. Uh, on doing tricks. Right. It's incredible. <laughs> but yeah, there's a popularity of the X Games and then, you know, the success of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater leads to a number of extreme sports games shortly after. You know, you have BMX games, you have... Snowboarding, was that in here kind of? Yeah, and like more kind of extreme snowboarding. So right. even before this, you'd have something like 1080 snowboarding on the N64. Um, I think Cool Borders on the PlayStation is already out, but then you get like, the extremes, okay. snowboarding. Um, you get some surfing games. And Anything you know, on a board, go sideways, do trick. Exactly. That or, was a big, on every different surface. <laughs> and, and there really was kind of this perfect storm feedback loop where, you know, the, the popularity of these sports fed into the success of the games and the success of the games and fed back into the popularity of the sport. And, you know, a lot of people credit Tony Hawk's Pro Skater as the thing that got them into skating, hmm. which is which is which is really cool. Also, how common is it for like the the major figure of a sport to turn out to be just like long term such a good investment for that brand? <laughs> I like, know, great guy, great guy. Everybody loves him. Like nary a bad word said. He's super into these games. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's part of the reason that there was that they kind of came back. Yeah, he's a great mask like. <laughs> mascot he's a great mickey mouse for the sport of skateboarding <laughs> yeah you know even in 1999 before he was super well known i mean he was probably like you know even then like early 1999 late 1998 the most well-known skateboarder but still hadn't yet crossed into the mainstream really hitting the 900 helped him do that and then when the popularity of this game helped him do that uh, but even then he he really wanted to have a new skateboarding game and had been you know talking about this with other companies before hmm. Um, Activision, who published Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, kind of approached him, and and I'll say a bit more about that later because there's a there's a little surprise twist with who Tony was 
who who at least he says he was in contact with. Okay. But really, you know, the origins of this game come out of, as you might expect, uh, crass commercialism, mm-hmm. where the story goes that Activision just really wanted to have some kind of skateboarding game ready for, you know, the holiday 1999 season so they could exploit the popularity of, of skateboarding. Great. You know, at first they didn't have huge expectations for this game. They really just, you know, wanted something that people would buy. They didn't, I mean, I don't think anybody ever goes into wanting to make a bad game, but I don't think <laughs> sure. that was, that wasn't the goal because, you know, they want something they could turn around in, in a year. They're not imagining a prestige like title. Here. No, they're like, I need you to, and, and really, they really needed a team to turn something out in a year. That's crazy. Which is which is really fast. You know, it was this desire to turn something out relatively quickly that actually got Activision to contact Neversoft, who is the developer of this game, because Neversoft had just gotten Activision out of a bit of a bind because Activision had a deal with Bruce Willis to make oh. to make a game using his likeness. And like not any specific character of his, but no. Yeah. And okay. I think you might even know where I'm going with this. Oh. <gasps> Yeah, so this is this is where it, this is where it's going. So they have a deal with Bruce Willis to make a game featuring Bruce Willis to come out at a certain point in time. This is kind of going nowhere, and they need something else fast because they have this deal with with Bruce. And just because of you know internal contacts at Activision, somebody there knows people at NeverSoft, which is this company that was actually on the verge of shutting down because they'd keep they kept trying to prototype this game for Sony, and Sony kept kind of playing fast and loose with them and. Anyway, they, they were going to kind of shut down when they were contacted by by Activision to say, hey, you want to come and just help us turn out a game starring Bruce Willis? We need we need you to make this game in nine months. Just do it. We don't care. Just put yeah. something out. And so the resulting game is actually a game that you played. It is. Called Apocalypse, which was an arcadey third-person shooter uh, built using this prototype that Neversoft was already working on. So they basically just grafted Bruce Willis's likeness onto that prototype <laughs> and, and went from there. Um, you just kind of played this by chance because you saw an ad for it in a magazine. You're like, oh, this looks weird. Can I play it? What did you think? If you if you remember, it was it was surprisingly fun. Yeah, I remember. So I don't remember a ton of specifics. I remember thinking this really could have been worse. Yeah, like way worse. It's weird. Yeah, he has to. He's like fighting the four horsemen, but not literally. I think they're kind of like embodiments of the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Hence the name. Yeah, I don't. I remember it starts with him kind of in in some kind of futuristic prison, and he's busting out. But it's really fast paced, arcadey shooting. Yeah, it was, a little it was, bit of light platforming. Yeah, am I right in remembering yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a, it was kind of a blast. Uh, check out Apocalypse. <laughs> um, but you know, NeverSoft by working on that, by getting that done in nine months, you know, showed that they could meet really strict deadlines. So Activision turned to them to develop this skateboarding game. And again, no real expectations at the time. They just wanted something out by Christmas. That's crazy too, because they're not. Like, they're a team that proved they can make this one kind of game fast, but, like, it's this is a huge genre jump from that. That's like, it. And there's I, not... don't, I don't know that you could confidently say, like, oh, yeah, these skills will cross over. <laughs> yeah, and there's no real precedent here for them to, you know, to copy, you know, kind of free-ranging 3D skateboarding game. Mm-hmm. There's nothing at this point that they can just look at and say, okay, I can just make kind of a version of that. And the other thing is that this time that Activision's marketing team was pretty insistent that they get some kind of license. They just want something, you know, a person, a brand, something so that this game, this has some kind of recognizable name behind it. And, and you know, of course, for the developers at Neversoft, they, they wanted Tony Hawk. That's, that's what they wanted. And as I mentioned, Tony Hawk at this time was in the middle of, you know, working with some other companies trying to get at a game. And he says that one of these companies was Rockstar. Whoa. And he just wasn't feeling their approach. He said, you know, they were too focused on the hardcore skater crowd. Uh, The game, I think, was for him was too much of a simulation. He didn't see it having wide appeal. And so I can't confirm this, but my guess is that this is the game that turned into a game that Rockstar published called Skate and Destroy Mm. that came out about a month after Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh. And was just completely overshadowed by the Tony Hawk game. You know what? I I mentally am overwriting that story in my head with like, he just didn't like their vibe. (laughs) In my heart, I believe that that's what happened. (laughs) I mean, one thing that we can say, and and again, I can't confirm that this is that there's the direct connection, but it it has to be that this is what that game turned into. And and then it makes sense because that game is so much more of a simulation. And if Tony Hawk's goal was to kind of bring skateboarding to the masses and in a really fun, accessible way. 
the kind of game that Skate and Destroy was wouldn't have accomplished that. It was, okay. it was kind of too technical, closer to what like the EA Skate series became, okay. um, if you know that series. But anyway, so while Tony Hawk's, you know, he hasn't signed on the dotted line anywhere, Activision calls him up, they set up a meeting. Neversoft had put together a quick demo, which featured the their Bruce Willis avatar on a skateboard. <laughs> And it was pretty limited, but Tony Hawk immediately thought, you know, this game feels right. This feels how okay. I want skateboarding to feel. And he, he signed with Activision. And from that point, his role was really to give them feedback, to to make sure that the game reflected skating culture. You know, he helped with things like the trick list. He suggested the rest of the roster. He also did a mocap session for them, but none of that was ever used. So it was just kind of, I remember seeing it like it was used for marketing purposes where, you know, where there'd be stories about Tony Hawk going into the studio and putting on, you know, a mocap suit and doing his, his tricks. But it was too late in the kind of the the game development cycle to actually use any of that data. So like the moves you see aren't actually mocap by That's Tony. That's so Hawk. interesting. Uh, but it made for for a good story for the press. You know, I I really do feel like you can you can feel the presence of a knowledgeable hand uh, behind this game, both in terms of the the extensiveness of the move list, but also the general feel. Like one of the things that I think is most immediate about this game, in all seriousness, is like the vibe and the feel and like the joy of like being a skater not mm-hmm. just doing specific tricks so yeah i mean that i feel like you can feel his presence in this in a big way yeah and i think the developers too should get a lot of credit for this like they just became obsessive about skating and skater culture one of the devs you know built a half pipe in his backyard and oh, cool made the developers kind of come over and they all had to try at least try their hand at, at doing it and some of them may have gotten pretty good and you know they're practicing like they actually want to get a sense of what skateboarding felt like, learn the mechanics of the trick. So, you know, so they could try to translate that feeling into into the game. That is so fun. I yeah, love so that. They seem like they had a lot of fun doing this. They're really excited by the project, regardless of the, you know, 12 month dev cycle that was in front of yeah. them that I'm sure was no fun. And, you know, as I mentioned, they didn't have a ton of precedent here. They didn't have a lot to work with, but they were inspired. But they were inspired by this arcade game that was out at the time called Top Skater. It's a Sega published arcade game developed by the creator of Crazy Taxi. Oh, that my friends <laughs> <laughs> that used like a skateboard like platform as a controller. So you kind of stood on it and could, you know, lean left and right. And so you'd tilt the controller to move your character as he as he worked through kind of the past. And the goal is to, you know, set as high a score as possible within a time limit doing tricks while also trying to collect items to extend your time. So very much like skateboarding crazy taxi yep and they're also influenced by some older arcade style skateboarding games like skater die on the nes right these these skateboarding games that were much more about action than simulation and so as i mentioned the first thing they did was they tried to throw together a, a prototype using bruce willis it's it's really too bad they couldn't get him to kind of extend his license and actually have him as a hidden like character a skin, in the game yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i think as you guessed you know the so much of the emphasis was on just trying to get the gameplay to feel right and to feel tight you know like lots of work is really going to creating a system where it feels good not only to move, but also, you know, to chain all of these tricks together in a seamless way. You know, it's it's kind of magic, I think, that this game feels as good as it did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they experimented with a lot of things that at one point they had a system where you would, you know, have to kind of input combos while mimicking movements on the D-pad, like a like kind of like a fighting game. But in the end, they decided that's way too complicated. They went for this the much more simplified method that they that they eventually used, which was, you know, Hold a direction button and and hit a and hit a face button and that's how you pull off the moves. And I think that was, you know, that was the right decision. Good call. Another one of the earlier ideas they had was to have a pretty linear game. Again, kind of kind of based on the top skater, that arcade game model, where you kind of go from, you know, a starting point to an end point and rack up as many points as possible along the way. Right. And Eventually, they realized that players probably wanted to have much more freedom than that structure would, would allow. You know, in, in that kind of linear game, you wouldn't really have half pipes. Right. You know, and they thought, you know, there should be some kind of player expression here. So that's probably not the most fun. So they, they ultimately changed the structure. But, you know, you do see some remnants of that early ideas in their... Um, the downhill levels, in, right? more, Yeah, in some of their more downhill levels that, uh, that still exist in the game. Right. And then the other thing, the other major influence for them, which when I found this out, Brought me a lot of joy because I kind of have always said that of this era, you know, Super Mario 64 is my favorite platformer. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is my second favorite platformer. <laughs> and because I do think this game is a platforming game and we can get into that more. And and I was kind of delighted to find that Mario 64 was a direct influence on this game, as you might suspect, right? Because it's a game that is responding to the popularity of open world style games. Mm-hmm. 
And even down to the very structure of collecting the five tapes is is kind of ripped right out of Mario 64's, you know, star structure. You know, and so so all this went into making a game that I think ended up being so much better than anybody ever had imagined. And, you know, anybody who played this game really loved it. And Tony Hawk mentions how as the game was being made, he was being sent um, dev builds constantly. So, you know, they just kind of burn him late his builds on a CD and he'd play it on his modded PlayStation and, and call them with some feedback. Uh, as the game was nearing completion, Tony Hawk kept those and snuck some of those pirated copies of the <laughs> demos to his friends, um, which ended up creating a lot of buzz within the skating industry because people were just loving this game. Sony included the game in one of their demo discs and that got a ton of attention. I think this is when I started to take the game seriously. I think one of my friends who was into skateboarding and had a PlayStation played the demo and just came to school one day just raving about this game. Oh, cool. Up until that point, I had no interest in this game. I think I probably heard or read that it was being made, but, you know, skateboarding game, I just thought, you know, this would not be for me. Yeah. And thankfully, this friend kind of raved about this game so much that eventually I I picked it up and fell in love with it. How cool that it both is like loved by like the hardcore skating community and also by people who have no state like no investment in skate that's culture that's, whatsoever that's, like yeah i think that's, that's the, remarkable that's the hallmark of a of a great of yeah. a great game and I, I think you know one of the reasons that we're doing this on our we hate sports arc because so many other sports you know really want their game to appeal to fans of that sport right and in doing so just like tony hawk i think was afraid that you know the rockstar game was going to do would include so much detail and and try to simulate the sport in such a way that it could just alienate potential fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they really went in the right direction. And then, as I mentioned previously, you know, the other thing that really helped this game get a boost was in at the end of June 1999. And so this game releases the end of September. So just a few months before, Tony Hawk lands his 900 and becomes kind of a mainstream star for a bit. Cool. And so, you know, there's all this momentum behind this game when it releases. And it wasn't an immediate massive hit, but over time, it became one of the highest, you know, selling games of that console generation. Cool. So that's the history of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And maybe with that, we can take a quick break. And then when we come back, we can talk about uh, you getting your feet wet as a skateboarder. Skater. What do they call themselves? And we're back. And so I'm really curious what you were expecting this game to be. What did you expect a skateboarding game to to play like since, you know, you had no experience with the Tony Hawk series before? So I think the biggest thing that I had in my head coming into this is that this is a game where people found it very fun and easy to just get in and mess around and have a good time. Okay, so you knew that about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I associate it not being, I associate it with not being terribly like, goal-oriented or progression-oriented, but more about having fun doing the tricks and wiping out and all that stuff. Which was kind of half true, but yeah, there's also... But not the full story. It's also very goal and progression-oriented. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, none of which I minded. Um, I think I knew there was a notable soundtrack that is one of people's favorite <laughs> things about it. Um, I don't know. I think I just... I think everything else that I would have expected from it... I just am sort of porting over from my like loose knowledge of skate culture and of Tony Hawk himself. Like, I just expected this to be a not stressful, good time that I would roll through without much difficulty. I didn't expect this to be a hard game. I thought it would be like very, very friendly um, and pretty accessible. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I wasn't too far off in in any of those predictions. Okay, so do you want to then just set up, you know, what this game is? Obviously, it's a skateboarding game, but go yeah. into a little detail about how it is that you you skateboard. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so you can choose from a, a number of different skaters who each have their different strengths and weaknesses. You can also create your own. Yeah. Which I'm surprised you didn't do. You actually went with one of the stock skaters. Yeah, I was happy with her. Tell everybody I, you picked. I played as Alyssa Steamer, um, who I picked for two reasons. One, 
dead even stats. I didn't know what I needed yet. And her statistics, her like um, her points board is just straight, straight up and down, like six out of 10 at everything. So I was like, OK. And also she was the only girl on the roster. So I was like, done. Right. So we actually limited you to the original Tony Hawk's roster. We didn't let you. So there are more women in the, the remaster, but you you had to do the OG roster. Yeah. Um, and I just I was very comfortable with her. I don't know. I I I didn't feel any, I didn't feel any lack. Um so you pick your skater and, and you come into these spaces, you have access to a huge array of tricks. You have your jump tricks. You have jump tricks. Grind. Yeah, like <laughs> when you jump off a pipe or air tr- air tricks. Um, you know, when you're hanging t- uh your rail. I don't tr- think you hang ten. <laughs> <laughs> No. Your grinds. Uh, you have a manual. You have lip tricks, which is when you like pause at the at the lip or the rim of a half pipe or whatever. You have what else? You have lots of stuff. You have tricks that come out of ollies. Yes, which yes. is which is basically your jump button. Right, like your ollie button is your jump button, and from there you can you know transition into a number of different kinds of tricks. From your ollie, you can do you know ollie style tricks like a kick flip and it's ilk i don't know any of the other kind of board flip <laughs> there's a lot loops. of names you know but the ollie is also what helps you uh you know transition to a grind for example yep and get more air off the top of other jumps mm-hmm. and stuff so your your basic until you're in tr- in trick mode you have a crouch button which like makes you go faster and lower and then you have your your jump <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to to do, do the platformer thing for a second um, so in any given level, you're, you're progressing through a bunch of different levels in each level. It's not about completion, but it sets out a set of achievements, basically, that it's inviting you to try to complete. So right. Like we said, like Mario's stars. Yeah. Yeah. Mario 64 stars. Anyway. So in Tony Hawk, instead of collecting stars, you're collecting tapes. Right. And there's a bunch of different ways that you like sort of meet those achievements. So um, some of them will be collectibles like you in every level you can find S-K-A-T-E. Um, others will have like level specific collectibles. Some of them are about um, things like do this specific trick over this specific gap. Um, a lot of them will be about manipulating the environment. And then some of them will just be like achieve X high score or X combo score. And you're forgetting the most important one, the hidden tape. Oh, yeah. Find the hidden tape. Every level has a hidden tape. And so the original Tony Hawk, every level only had five tapes to get. So there were there's a high score and a pro score, so high score and a higher score. There was every level had collect the S K A T E to spell skate. Mm-hmm. Every level level had a hidden tape, and then every level had one level specific goal. For example, in the school, you have to grind five picnic tables. Right. Later games, so Tony Hawk Two is the one that had many more level specific goals per level and goals that required you to do like certain tricks in certain situations. And what they did was they just re added a bunch of those grafted those back onto the first game and added an even higher high score because now that you have access to a manual you can rack up much much higher possible scores than you ever could in the original game that didn't have a manual yeah it stretches those combos so much further so since we've been been talking about do you want to explain what the manual is or what it allows you to do Sure. I mean, as far as I can. So uh, the manual is one of the tricks that you can perform when you're just on flat ground. You're not on a ramp. You don't have a rail to grind or whatever. Um, And it essentially involves you sliding forward, but balancing with the board forwards or backwards. Um, So you essentially can use it if you have a little gap between your whatever your half pipe and your rail that you're going to pick up. You can manual across that so that you stay in the same chain making that same combo. Yeah, and along the way, you know, you can be doing your your ollie style tricks, and as long as you're landing back in the manual and keeping your balance, you get that combo will continue, and then you can rack up multipliers. It really adds so much to the game and gives you so much more versatility in in terms of how you can you know chain things together to to achieve the the high scores. And you know, it's this progression system that by unlocking that by collecting these tapes, you unlock uh, further levels. Uh, you know, it's the progression system. That I think is just genius you know it makes the high scores meaningful because they actually unlock something they give you these exploration style goals that get you to learn the ins and outs of a level um so much better than if there was just you know skate around and come up with a high score yeah and i i very much appreciate that the bar for how many achievements in any level you have to get before you can unlock the next one is not a hundred like it's there's a pretty good pace of opening up new things and finding new stuff to do and it really does 
give you a structure for easing into levels. Like I think every time the first thing I did was go around and collect skate because on the way you're just like learning what the space is, right? And then you come back and figure out where you're going to go to try to get your high combo scores and all that sort of stuff. But you start out by just learning what what this new thing is. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really interesting. They even thought to include these goals that are more exploration based because you you do have some some goals that are almost purely exploration based. I was very surprised. Some by that are almost purely, you know, score based. And then some that and I think the best ones are always a combo of, of the two that involve some exploration, but it also requires you to use some, you know, some clear skill in order to, you know, reach a point that might seem unreachable. Um, but the fact is, you have to identify where that is. And, and I guess so before we get into the, the levels themselves, maybe you can walk us through how you started to learn the game. Because, you know, you were, as you said, you know, you, you knew that it had this reputation of being something that was pretty pick up and play, pretty accessible. Um, was that the case, though, with you? And, and you know, how did you kind of ease your, way into, ease your way into this game? Well, first of all, so I know the tutorial is added to the the version that we played, or it's a different tutorial than the, than in the original. But this is the friendliest tutorial in town. You've got Tony Hawk voiceover in this tutorial guiding you through. And he shows up and he's just like, hey, Doug, thanks for playing my game. I mean, it's not literally those words, but it's very like, I don't know. It's it's such a good feeling. At one point, um, he's like teaching you how to do a particular kind of trick. I don't remember which one. And he says, just like skateboarding in the real world, this game takes some practice. It's like, what a good attitude. See, you had it so much easier. Back in my day, at least on the N64 version, we just get condescending tips. For example... Oh, my God. And I, I complained to you about this one, and this does not appear in this remaster, which I think is deprives you of a very important uh, part of this game that just kind of smashes your ego a little bit, where... In, at least in the N64 version, I don't know if it's in the original PlayStation, often when you fall, a tip will pop on the screen that says, finish your tricks before landing. Okay, thanks. <laughs> oh, really? That You don't think that's what I was trying to do? You think I was trying to finish my trick after <laughs> landing? <laughs> thanks, game. To be fair. Would you consider finishing your tricks before landing? Sir, uh, may I interrupt with a suggestion? Um, but yeah, to, this Tony Hawk, he's not have that attitude with the player. No, he's very like, let's have a good time together and do some skateboarding. So you get this like you're in a little skate park thing, this very safe like tutorial. Um, and you get walked through all the basics, which honestly, so part of it was good for getting the feel of how to do these tricks. The other thing that was very helpful for me is just like being introduced to what shit is called. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of terminology in around all of this. Um, and, you know, being able to understand what the game is asking of me at a lot of different points required me to have like a little bit of basic like language <laughs> in place. So I found it really helpful on both those fronts. You know, you get your fun music already and Tony's coaching you. Like it's, this is a very gentle and friendly easing in. Um, I will say I did not at this time, particularly learn how to do combos real good, <laughs> which did catch up to me at one point. And, you know, you can't expect to be kind of a combo master immediately. There are a lot of things to pick up in this game. Uh, but, you know, the, the general controls are pretty easy and pretty consistent depending on what move you want to do. There's just so much variety of moves, right? Right. Like you said, the basic move, you know, kind of the basic building block is your ollie, which is your jump button. And then out of there, you can do, you know, a grab trick, um, a flip trick or a lip trick or, or a grind. You know, each of those tricks is mapped to one of the different face buttons. And then by pushing a direction and that face button, you do a different version of that trick. Right. So it really puts, you know, a ton of tricks at your disposal uh, without a huge learning curve of how to do them. You know, you're not memorizing different directional inputs for, for all the different tricks. You can kind of figure it out as you go. The one time you do need to remember directional inputs is for your character's special move, uh, which you can build up over time. But, you know, your character comes with um, at least one. I think maybe they come with two special two, moves. Yeah. yeah, which are um, more spectacular tricks. Uh, and one of them is, you know, Tony Hawk's famous 900 that they had to put in the game after he actually nailed right. it and it became a real life trick. You can do a flip. You can, yeah. Front flip, back flip. You can do crazy grinds. Yeah. Um, nothing, nothing too out there. Like there's still right, right. always, it's still kind of within the reality of skating. It's not cartoony, really. No, like this game does have, I think, a really great balance between, you know, giving the player, maybe, you know, you can feel 
this is like the fantasy of skateboarding, but it's not so out there that it still feels grounded. It's but, still- yeah, it's like the fantasy of really skateboarding, not the fantasy of fantasy skateboarding. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a balance of this over-the-top action, you know, how we might imagine extreme sports and actual technique and skill. And I think it's, this is a game that just hits that balance perfectly. But, you know, as you said, you you went through the tutorial and you learned the different building blocks of the moves. You weren't a combo master yet, but you don't need to be. You're going to your first level. So you go to the warehouse, which yeah. is... Um, an iconic level, you know, the first Tony Hawk's Pro Skater level that I remember incredibly fondly. So what did you think of of the warehouse? So I think one of the most charming things that happens in this entire game is that the very first thing you do in the first level is bust through this like barn board mm-hmm. thing and go down a big ramp. Like, I think that that like mild destructibility of of mm. levels and stuff is such an important tonal thing for this game and it basically just unleashes you into this little skate park space that is just perfectly crafted for the starting to get comfortable with the very simple tricks you have like a very easy rail that'll lead you straight to a quarter pipe that can easily flow into a half pipe that can you know it's getting you to practice all these things in an actual environment you know you have one of your your Um, achievements is to destroy these boxes and you know sort of the first set is like very visible right out in front for you so you're like okay I know what those look like now so it's just it's like a perfectly designed little play place for you to to get your feet under you yeah one thing you know you mentioned starting your starting position is you know almost like sloping downhill and you break through a wall and you know that's obviously you know a great way to start the game but while you're playing this i noticed too that you know the importance of the starting position and where you're placed in every level is so important and the game does such a good job placing you in areas where you almost always start where you have somewhere where you can quickly get your momentum yeah or like you're like right immersed in the level immediately and you know the game is inviting you to start doing tricks you know because i can imagine a level if you kind of place you in the middle of a level and then you're thinking you know where do i go and you're Which just like direction? meandering and it's like you don't have a chance in this one you're basically starting downhill yeah yeah yeah. you can go straight and bust through a wall and then you you got to go and it, it really does force you to you know adapt just start trying things that, yeah and, that's really the thing. yeah and it's such an inviting game in in that respect you know and again, that's why I think that this, to me, this game is is a platformer at at its heart, and it, it kind of re-envisions skateboarding as a platformer because it's exactly those same types of skills that are required and the same types of pleasures of, you know, improvisation on the part of the player, you know, situational awareness, where you always have to be aware of what your options are around you, right. and, and you have to react almost instantly to those options to, to come up with the best thing that you can do in every given situation to, you know, rack up your score or keep your combo going. And, you know, with the addition of the manual that allows you to chain your combos together, that really transformed the game and almost gave, gives it like an endless runner quality. Oh, yeah. Finally, a manual I'm willing to engage with. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she did not read the manual for this game. I'll tell you that. Because she had Tony in this version to guide her through I, it. Who needs him? Though I think you've kind of already hinted at this at some points. I, I One of my notes when watching you play is that sometimes I think you play it almost too much like a platformer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Are you referring to the fact that the first thing I did in every level was get all the collectibles and not try any tricks at all? (laughs) Exactly. That's part of it where you really, I think, got into the exploration aspect of this game immediately. Well, let me tell you, I did not think this was going to be a part of this game. And I was absolutely (laughs) delighted. The warehouse doesn't have a whole lot of exploration, but a lot of the other ones have way more to find, like way more paths way more hidden stuff than i would ever have imagined was going to be in this game but okay that that's true right like i think i agree with you the warehouse is this perfect first level because it's really it's the smallest level but and it's small enough to not be overwhelming but you know it's big enough to give you the sense of freedom but i think the most important thing it does is is with that hidden tape in this level okay so the hidden tape of this level is in like this secret room that is above a half pipe and when you can figure out that you can jump off a ramp and crash through this room above the half pipe and are rewarded for it with this hidden tape, that's a moment that I remember when I first played this game that this game hooked me, right? Like it was, it's this one of those perfect design choices where you realize that, you know, the thing that you want to do as a player is not only something that is achievable, but the game thought about that. It's like, of course, the player is going to want to do that. They put yeah. something there and then you realize that you and the game are on the exact same page. You know, made even better when you realize that you can break through that room and then land in a grind later to start a combo. So you can, you know, launch yourself off the edge of the half pipe, crash through this 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 room, land on the other side in a grind, get your combo going. 
it, it was just amazing. Like we gave, I think every skater that we ever used when we played that game as kids, we gave them a front flip mm-hmm. and inevitably you go to the warehouse and you have to front flip through the room <laughs> and land in a grind. <laughs> okay. That was it was the most fun thing to do. And we do it, you know, a thousand times because it would give us a great score. It just feels so good. That's so cool. Yeah. The warehouse is such a, such a great level. Um, and like, as you said, just perfect for practicing because, you know, it has a half pipe se- section separate from, you know, a rail section. And, you know, when you're ready to start combining them, you can do that because they're close enough together. The flow is really good. You can kind of see everything at once. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's very easy to be aware of your, of what's in front of you and behind you. Yeah. You know, from our discussions on, on the show that I love great first levels, you know, first levels that do a great job of tutorializing. And that this is one of the greats of, of a first level. But the second level is also really good. The second level is so good. This is the school. Yeah. So, and this is where you start finding all these delightful little corners to poke into. Like the moment I first, so this is another one that basically starts you at the top of a ski jump. Mm -hmm. Like it's basically just a straight up like alpine ski jump (laughs) that you're going off. Um, the, the point where I figured out a couple of things, A, that if you kind of follow the flow of the level around, it's actually a big loop. Like mm-hmm. it'll bring you back up to the top of the hill where you started. Um, that was huge. And also when I figured out that you could go behind the school building, get up into the upper onto the roof and then crash through a glass like skylight. skylight and get into the gym. Yeah, secrets. I just, I, I was not expecting this to be part of this game. I was so delighted. Like, this was great. And again, and, and not your fault, because again, like I can understand how exciting that is to realize that this game is this, you know, open world secret areas driven game. She's doing this, not doing, having zero points oh, no. in the score. Just, just coasting straight forward, not doing any tricks, like purely purely just going around and seeing what sometimes you you do like um like a flip trick get like 40 points yeah no combo just just that one anyway i'm going through this gym and like just doing the perimeter going to every little corner it was (laughs) it was really fun to watch you play though i also got really anxious that the game might leave you behind right right which right Right. This approach did catch up with me, as you said that it would. But at, at a, some point you do, in order to unlock later levels, you do need to start uh, getting some of those uh, point high score based yeah. tapes. You also will reach a level where the achievements are only about how high your score is. Right. So we're not quite there yet. Yeah. But. So, but I think the other thing that cemented in my head with the school level is something about how um, this game is like constructing what a skater is and what is cool to them Mm. like it's again you have your okay where does a skater want to be okay a school but like a cool school and it's abandoned and it's all just everything is like shaped to be a dream skate environment you know yeah it's a game that imagines the world as a skate park yeah and but also it's it's this like choice of environments that like honestly speak to like some of the some of the ways that like suburbs had like Mm -hmm. adopted skate culture i mean it also we'll get to it but the place you go after this is a mall that but like an abandoned cool mall i think it's three you got to play three where the suburbs is a level okay and they're yeah they they do later on really lean into that kind of like suburban rebellion yeah well and it's this like it's a specific kind of rebellion though because it's like okay what would be cool like crashing through the ceiling into this like abandoned gym it's like it's almost wholesome. It's like a it's like a really nice kids idea of what rebellion is. You know, like no, there's no actual like damage or harm. Like I don't know. It's just it's so it's so fun. It's like what if we could get up on the roof of the school mm-hmm. and jump between buildings on our skateboard? That would be so You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's very like um it's just really like innocent in a way, mm-hmm. but also being like sick you know yeah. and and it's a world where everybody's like generally embrace this culture everybody's fine with it except for like one grumpy person driving like there's like the I one i love that guy because <laughs> also in like this gate imagination you have to have like the normie who's like you damn kid blah blah <laughs> yeah. blah but they are driving like a maniac like they are so the bad guy in this situation <laughs> like 
everything i i'm surprised by how much of a point of view this game has is i think what i'm trying to say here and you can like grind off the roof of his little uh motor or whatever he's his little golf cart thing that he's that yeah, yeah. like right like they become like there are like what these antagonists in some of these levels and you know there's a taxi in later ones it's also driving around there's, there's a streetcar you later. grind police cars in one of them yeah they're like around and like even these antagonists become just part of your skate park yeah it's just really fun and as again like you're not getting in a fight with that guy you're just like the way you like get back at him or whatever is you just like grind the roof of his of his little cart like it i don't know it's like it's just it's so it's like sweet in a weird mm-hmm. way. Yeah, and you you kind of alluded to the the next level so you move from this this school to in this case an abandoned mall. Yeah. Which is the first one of this other style of level. So this one isn't as kind of exploration based. This is what we could call maybe a downhill level that is much more linear. It kind of has a start and end point. And in this case you're just kind of, you know, the whole mall is sloping down and you're you know, you can kind of stop along the way and meander a little bit, but basically you're on a you're on a trajectory downhill and have to accomplish all the goals along your way. And actually, in the original, once you hit the end of the level, it was over. In oh, this, it didn't loop. No, in in the remastered, I think they did a smart they made a smart choice and got the game to loop. So when you hit the end, you just respawn at the start again. So you can probably you can probably get two runs of the full level if you wanted to. Because we we haven't said this, but every run you take is only two minutes. So when right. you're trying to collect your SKATE or whatever, you have to do that on one run, which is in this two minute time limit. Um, so yeah, I I typically was able to get through two two cycles of of the mall in in that time. So what did you think about this style of level this this downhill because. Um, funnily enough, there's a later Tony Hawk game that is Tony Hawk's, it's called Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam that is only these downhill style levels. And it was not very well received because by and large, I think these are the, the levels that people remember the least fondly, or at least at the very, at the very most, I think we could say, you know, one or two in a game is fine, but we don't want more than that. I just don't enjoy the feeling that I missed something and I can't really easily circle back Mm -hmm. for it. Like I want to be able to like follow my way. It's that... The improvisation feels kind of capped in mm-hmm. these. It's like you have, there's way more natural flow to it, which can be good. But I also at times like with jumps and stuff found it particularly anywhere you have like a half pipe or quarter pipe, but you're also on this downhill slope. I found it really hard to like correctly align like spins and turns and stuff because mm-hmm. you're you're sort of not square ever when you're coming into into those jumps. Yeah. And so there are two of these types of levels in this game. There's the mall and then there's the other one, which is called Downhill Jam, which is like on a like a dam. Construction yeah, like kind of? It's like a dam that where there's construction going on in kind of like a Arizona style setting. That one is much more kind of propulsive from the top yeah. to bottom. The mall at least gives you some more horizontal space. So you know, you can go off on a path and and kind of do some tricks and rack up a score on some kind of half pipes that are off to the side. Whereas... Downhill jam is very much the one that, you know, even if you're doing a half pipe, you're always kind of moving in a trajectory towards the the end point. It's it, it's so much harder in that level to circle back yeah. to to get something you miss. And I remember on the, you know, the N64 version that I would have played, how hard that level was to get everything because you really just had, you know, you had one shot to get it. Right. Um, or at least in this one, you can, uh, you know, loop the level. Yeah. But the, the mall, I also love because it's, again, this like, heightened skate imagination version of what like a cool mall would be like it's got these derelict broken down like rails and what looks like it used to be like a a public art installation and these like breakable glass maps that you crash through like so the funny thing is that if you go back and play the original mall it, it it's very it's like the layout is exactly the same but the mall is not abandoned in the same way oh like this is very much uh, the new version, like the new reskin and the remaster is very much like a 2021 mall, you know, a mall that has gone out of business. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in 1999, the mall was uh, the mall was in business. You were just in there after hours. Okay, yeah, yeah. This so, definitely so has derelict. Yeah. yeah, this definitely has derelict vibes, which again, this is just like this and the soundtrack is just combining to like just yank me back in time to my like 15 year old self when like the mall was the only place to go. Mm-hmm. Like literally the only place to go that wasn't inside somebody's house, you know? So yeah, <laughs> this was this was like big on vibes, extremely fun. It, again, very friendly to giving you lots of opportunities to do different tricks. It also has a lot of sections that are like two different levels happening at the same time. Like there's an upper and a lower that are sort of mm-hmm. concrete that you can like move between. I don't know. There's just a lot of good, a lot of good angles. I think this was also 
the level where I really got used to the idea that you had been trying to coax me into this whole playthrough so far of seeing everything as a rail. Oh, yeah. You got to see everything as a rail. You always want to, in, in the PlayStation's case, you know, hit triangle yeah. all the time because you'll... You'll catch something. You're not like magnetized, but but it, but it's forgiving in a sense that, you know, if you're close to something that's, that could operate as a rail and you hit triangle, you'll probably, you know, cling to it. And it's so satisfying. I think that's a big thing. Part of getting into the headspace of this game is learning how to see everything as geometry, like mm-hmm. as like, okay, where's the curve? Where's the edge? Where can I grind? Where's the jump? Like, And I feel like that's, at least in my mind, that is how I imagine somebody who's really into skating sees the world. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, it as, and it, to get you as a player to think through that mentality, to see the world as, you know, a set of objects for you to grind on <laughs> is I think really, really exciting. And like uh, a testament to how well this game communicates, you know, the pleasures of skateboarding, at least in my imagined fantasy version. Yeah. Yeah. So, so after the mall, we get to, the game's really so it it has this gating structure where you have to get tapes to to advance to new levels but but now you get to a new kind of gating structure the so you have you know the these more exploration open levels you have the downhill levels and then you have the competitions yeah and this is your first competition and in order to progress you have to medal in the competition so you're you know your score goes up against the scores of all Interfere. these ai you get in there you rig it <laughs> And uh, yeah, and you have to, you have to, and you have to score relatively high. Yeah. Um, if you want to at least get a bronze, so that requires you to get a high score. I did get stuck here and have to go all the way back to the tutorial and spend more time with my friend Anthony Hawkins to learn how to do combos. At this point, this is really when I was like, okay, I got to learn how to do the manual. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this is. On on the one hand, you know, maybe it seems, you know, the game is being a little paternalistic here, but I think this is really smart gating. You know, you've had your fun and now it's time before you can go on to these more advanced levels to look to like, let's let's do that little check to make sure that you learn the basics of the game. Yeah. And yeah, at this point, you you had not. You were a master explorer. Yeah. You were great about like figuring out the, the layout of a level and, and coming out with a, a total of 233 points. <laughs> When you needed something in the hundreds of that thousands. That is literally the kind of score I was getting, <laughs> yes. And uh, well, I remember at this point, like I remember in the school level, in the mall level also, looking at the thresholds for where those combo scores needed to be and where those high score thresholds needed to be mm-hmm. and just feeling like th- that's impossible. Like there's no way I would ever be able to make that. Like it felt so far away. Because like you said, I was ending, I think like if I ended with more than like a couple thousand points, that was a very special run that I had <laughs> at this point. And so, you know, the the high score threshold might be like 50 or 100,000. I was like, how though? How? Yeah, and because and the combo multipliers are so important and the game doesn't really um, communicate those to you uh, in, very precisely. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, you'd go through and you'd be doing a lot of individual tricks. Yeah. But the individual tricks are just worth, like I said, like 30, 40 points each, maybe if you're lucky in the hundreds Yeah. for an individual trick. But once you start stringing them together, then you get combo multipliers. So, you know, then you're then you're 100 once, you know, if you're doing a, a trick that's worth 100, but you have a multiplier times eight, that's quite a substantial difference. And you weren't getting those multipliers. Um, well, the other the other thing that's important about getting into the combos as opposed to the individual tricks is like the individual tricks, even if you land them well, don't really do anything to add to your special meter. Right, right, right. Really part of the name of the game when you're looking for high points is, you know, as you as you do these combos and stuff, your special meter goes up. But when it's full, you can for a, li- a certain period of time, you can do your special moves, which we talked about already. So and you're also getting when you're like when your special meter is maxed out, you're getting extra air. So you can do more, um, you know, more rotations in the air when you're trying to do your spins and dips. Yeah. Um, you know, you, your balance is slightly better. Like, so there's there's a lot more incentive for you to build up your special meter than just being able to use your special move. But your special move also gives you a really high score. And if you can if you can, you know, chain that into a combo with a multiplier, yeah. That's how you get You're your in scores. business. Yeah. Like so, I think by the time we got to this competition level, I don't think I had got my special once. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's probably you true. know. Um so I I kinda wanna know what happened. So cause I remember this day <laughs> where you were um you know bad. Yeah. And yeah. you were, you were really stuck. You, you got to this level and you just, you know, you, you weren't placing. I left to take the dog out for a walk. 
we went for a pretty long walk, like an hour and a half or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I get a text from you towards the end of that, and you had like completed a number of high score challenges and had medaled in the in the competition. Yeah, I had I had gotten multiple high scores. I had opened up a new competition, not the first one, the second one. I had medaled in it by myself on like one of my first tries, and I was like well into the next level. So but what I, happened? Okay, so honestly, what happened is I started doing the things that would get me points instead of the things that felt cool to do. Um, I wish I had a more, I wish I had a friendlier answer for that, but that's the actual truth is like, I started paying attention to, okay, never mind just setting up. So I have like the perfect angle on this jump so I can do this fun trick that like I think looks really cool. Um, instead I'm going to like, okay, I can take this rail here. I can do like a little Ollie and get back on the rail again. I can do a short manual into this half pipe, get some things going and figuring out rhythms in particular levels where I could chain those sorts of landmarks together to know that, okay, by the time I hit that half pipe, I'm going to have my special and then I'm going to go back and forth in this half pipe doing the same two or three special tricks with like little, you know, switches when I land and stuff like reversals, I think they're called reverts, reverts. Thank you. Um, And that's going to be how I get my points. So, I mean, I, I wish I could say that the answer is like my third eye opened and I just, I understood it all. But really what I started doing was understanding very mechanically how to make number go up and doing that instead of doing the sort of free flowing all over everything, like moving through space, um, kind of fun stuff that is mostly what I enjoyed about the game, to be honest. Okay. So you started having less fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, achieving goals is very satisfying to me. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you want the truth, I found all of the exploration goals or even the ones that were like, do X specific trick off across X specific gap, those kinds of things more fun than just rack up high score that ended up feeling much more mechanical to me. So did you ever get to the point by the end of the game when you, when you could have both of those things where you were doing your exploration, you were moving around and you know, exploring and taking advantage of the environments in a way that you felt, you know, like expressive and and enjoyable and also racking up a high score? Because I mean, that's what that's where the game's at its best when you can do that, when you can do both those things at once. Sure. I mean, I think if I played the game more, I probably would have got there. I I certainly can understand how people do get there. But uh, like, unfortunately, my honest answer is in the time I spent with it. Not really. Like when I was when I was trying to go for high scores to get the points, to get the achievements, to unlock the next place. I was just trying to rack up that that score. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think I think my baseline level of points did go up a mm-hmm. lot. Like, you know, we said I would end levels with like 200 points total. I don't think by the time I was in later spaces, I was like ending things like that. Um, and I was certainly better at, you know, racking things up on my way to my exploratory mm-hmm. goals. But I still very much had to, like when I was going after a high score, I had to start that run with it in my head. Mm. This is a score run, not a, not a, I almost said not a having fun run, which is pretty bad. Um, but like not, not a, not a flow run. You know right. what I mean? Okay. So yeah. And I think, you know, if you played this game more, I think you would get into that sense of flow where maybe aside from the highest high scores, you'd, you'd hit most of those score goals, like incidentally like on your way, on your to, way yeah. to where you're trying to go. Yeah, like yeah. that's, I think where they, where the game really, really shines, but I definitely see where you're kind of get stuck in this intermediary where you finally understand how to get the score, but not how to combine that with the exploration and the, and the movement in yeah. the way that you might enjoy. Well, and also, you know, because we're, we're playing this game also for a show, like I want to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. I want to be continually getting those achievements and opening up levels. You know, I could have probably spent more time in the mall. I could have spent more time in Minneapolis or the San Francisco level. Um, but I, I sort of also felt like I wanted to keep, keep things moving and keep feeling out seeing what what else there was for me in the game. That Minneapolis downtown level, I think, was the most fun I had watching you. I love that level. Because you went back in exploration mode and like the first time you found out how you could access the roof system. Oh my God, I was so happy. You you were just delighted that you could get up there. And then of course, the the roofs there are just half pipes on the roofs because of course, that's the kind of cities that exist in this game. You drive up the back of a truck and then you have to jump through a glass pane that you bust open, ride all these rails up to the roofs. And then there's just like, an entire skate park in the sky waiting for you. Like it's, 
it's heaven. It's so good. And, and that's it. And I think you're, you know, you're so close to getting to the point where you could do something like have, you know, rack up some scores and uh, in those half pipes and then launch yourself off the roof from a ramp and then land in a grind on, along a rail and keep going, you know, and yeah. you know, that's kind of that expressive fun that's also racking you up the points. Yeah, yeah. And I think you were getting really close to that when, uh, when we had to stop because we had to record. Yep. I also love that maniac driving around in the golf cart. I know we already talked about him, but like, I just have to say, I love that as an addition to this game. You just drive by yells at you. Yeah. And there's, as you're, there's yeah, and there's maniac taxis and they'll hit in the you. Downtown. They'll wipe you right out. There's like a movie theater in there. There's all kinds of like, it's it's so good. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, any other standout levels? We already talked about Downhill Jam. Uh, that was maybe your least favorite level. Uh, we talked about some of the other challenges. So the other, there's another, there's another competition, which is Burnside, which is very half pipe mm-hmm, heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that San Francisco level. But any any standout moments in any of those before we get to the the last final level? I mean, I I love the San Francisco level as well. Um, like I. I've been to San Francisco a couple of times and it just it's it's really fun to see something to see like a familiar language of like the architecture and mm. the layouts and everything. Even like the little Chinatown that's in there. It's like, oh, I I walked through this area of like I know exactly what you're citing here. Um, and I think doing that with cities that have been really important to skate culture just felt really fun. It feels really fun to be to be there. And that's such a more challenging geometry because of all the little balconies and buildings like there's that's just such a good escalation of like the downtown format but really i think what i need to shout out is the final level which is roswell so when you have done everything else you unlock the final level which is the the roswell the t-h-e roswell so you know how when we played crazy taxi i was like this is all games need to be this is the perfect idea for a game this is what all games should be. It's done. All games, no matter what they are, should end with the last <laughs> level being Roswell. doesn't matter what kind it is. There's no game that's going to be worse because your last level was Roswell. It's perfect. You can like get into these, these warehouses and find like a UFO and like an alien autopsy going on. Like it's, is it the most incredible skate environment? Not really. But the, the part of me that was just loving the exploration and seeing what what they had packed into all these different spaces, it was like, it was just like being handed an ice cream sundae at the end of at the end of a long day, you I know? Think, yeah, I think the only weakness for me is that they made it a competition level and not yeah. an exploration level. I think if Roswell had, you know, a number of those achievements, you know, the, the, the tapes in there, because, I mean, you really want to explore that level. Obviously, you see this alien, like a, a level with potential aliens in it. You, the thing you want to do is explore, and yet... The thing it's asking you to do is beat other people's scores. Yeah. So I think this is like a missed opportunity to throw some more collectibles in there. But uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, they let you get into a level. bunker and like all the yeah, for sure. So that that's kind of your your trip through Tony Hawk. Do you have any any last thoughts? Yeah, I think the one other thing to mention is like this game can be extremely funny. Also, like it has some spectacular wipeouts. First of all, like it's animations of you, like you just things that would kill a person eight times over your person just like gets up and is like Ugh, uh, and then like back on the board immediately but like the funniest thing that happened was when i had gone back to the tutorial level to figure out how combos work at one point i was i was getting all around and so at the exact same moment both i got stuck in this little like square of ground that i couldn't get out of and this like super aggressive punk song came on i can't remember what it was but it was a really like fast high energy thing and i was just like slamming uncontrollably into all these walls it was just like being a one-person mosh pit on a skateboard and i just it was so funny like i was just laughing out because i had no control it was, i like couldn't get turned around and like back out this little gap it was so it was the most serendipitous combination <laughs> of like great soundtrack and like hilarious ineptitude in the moment but yeah, I don't know. It also like it makes fun out of out of your botches in a really mm-hmm. in a really good way. Cool. So anything else? Yeah, I love how we are choosing like the least sports sports games for this. Like as I as I look into it, this is very much the like expression, physical expression as sport model. This is like skateboarding is like figure skating, but punk. Yeah. 
But no, it's it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's there's just like physical feats. Yeah, I admire I admire feats. That's all. That's it. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, as always, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're using to listen. You can get more information about this episode and the show in general at neverwasagamer.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at neverwasagamer. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Next time, we're going to continue our We Hate Sports arc with a game that's right in my wheelhouse. We are playing WWF No Mercy for the N64. It's wrestling game time, baby. I don't know how you talked me into this. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, no. It's time to go back to my childhood. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we took a trip to like my high school experience in this one, and I feel like now we're going to your like grade five prepubescent. Like, <laughs> I'm letting you off because we're not playing a game that has Bret Hart in it. Yeah, so there will you. be minimal Bret Hart stories as we play. I doubt that, but we'll see. <laughs> so thanks again, and we're, we'll see you next time after we've played No Mercy. Because the fantasy of embodying sweaty, greasy-haired beardos who are nonetheless incredibly physically fit is an essential part of being a gamer.